Are you ready to take your leadership and your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate, evolve, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world. And you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their business and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage and help businesses remain sustainable by building practices that enable them to continually evolve. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member with universities in the U.S. and Germany. I am delighted to have our guest, Dwight Smith, today. Dwight is an experienced CEO with a demonstrated history of working in the IT and service industries. Skilled in budgeting, business planning, analytical skills, sales, and entrepreneurship. He has a strong business development professional with an MBA focused in finance from The Ohio State University. Dwight serves on several boards, including the Federal Reserve Board of Cleveland and Nationwide Children's Hospital. And as an aside beyond his scripted bio, I will say Dwight is someone who I have known now for years and have the utmost respect for. So I am honored that he is able to make time to be one of our guests. So this show, Innovative Leaders, I designed to help leaders who are incredibly busy focusing on the work of their jobs and who don't necessarily have time to keep current on all of the broad range of trends that are impacting leaders right now, everything from cybersecurity to smear campaigns, and also continuing to deliver impeccably within their work. So my goal is within each hour that you listen to us, you will have something to take away that you can experiment within your business or personal lives each week that you'll have one behavior to practice. So if you've been listening for a year, you probably have 52 behaviors to practice. So the outcome of today's session, Dwight has achieved a great level of success as a leader running a company and sitting on several high-profile boards. He'll share his vision and values that have helped him achieve this level of success. And often as leaders, we look at How did that guy get where he is? And what is he doing that I can learn from? Dwight's one of those guys we want to pay attention to what did he do because he is in the role that many of us aspire to be in and he earned it. So there are some people I wouldn't necessarily say about, but he is a man whose values I know and whose judgment I trust. Uh, So he'll share with you what he looks for in emerging leaders and leaders when he's making hiring and succession decisions, as well as when he mentors the next generation of leaders. He'll also talk about a program that's very important to him called My Special Word. It's designed for children who will be our future leaders and our future workforce. And one of the things that's important to note, someone who is so busy is finding time to invest significantly in the next generation. 
And again, as we talk about the Leader 2050 competencies, if you've listened to that set of interviews, we talk about things like intellectually versatile, leaders who have interests beyond just their job. They stay informed, they stay involved. And so part of this interview will be Dwight talking about what he's doing in this space with the My Special Word program. So let's start with, you often talk about values-based leadership, and my special word plays into that. What are the most important values to you, and how do they impact your personal leadership style? So first of all, let me start and say thank you. I am uh, sitting here smiling and probably blushing a bit. Uh, (laughs) I am humbled and flattered by your your comments and your opening Mm, remarks, so thank thank you. I hope that I do not disappoint. So I, I think in regards to values, because we, we fall back on our values when we make decisions. Those values that are important to you, mm-hmm. that you hold near and dear to your ha- heart, that stir you through the good times and the bad times. Personally for me, not for everyone, mm-hmm. but my values are, are very straightforward and very simple. Honesty, integrity, humility, uh, transparency. And words that don't seem very popular but are very true and important to me, words like love and passion. And people say, can you really say love as a value? That sounds so wimpy. That doesn't sound businesslike. Well, the fact of the matter is I enjoy being around people and being involved with things that I love. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's emotional, but it's real. A uh, person that we've interviewed who... who runs an organization focused on spiritual intelligence. So Mm -hmm. it looks at emotional intelligence and says the next level is spiritual intelligence. Mm -hmm. And she defines love, and we've actually had this conversation, as compassion and wisdom. Mm -hmm. So different people have different words for love. And in a business context, I can say I'm compassionate with people, but not the airy-fairy, everyone's good, everyone's okay, there's a wisdom and discernment that also goes with that compassion. Well, there is. And I think it probably goes back to who I am in regards to core as a person. Where do those values come from? Mm-hmm. Honesty, integrity, love. And there are two things that I always share that are very important to me. First of all, and I never hide this, uh, my faith. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was raised and am a very committed Christian. I never hide that. I love the Lord. I don't get out of bed any morning without saying thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm blessed. And, I, you know, I think the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And I believe that. And so these gifts that I have, these opportunities that I have, they're not things that I earn. Those are things that are gifted. So the question becomes, in my mind, what do you do to give back? So that that's core to my values, hence mm-hmm. it's easy to talk about love and passion and honesty. The other is that uh, that I'm a mama's boy, right? <laughs> that Period. I didn't know about you. <laughs> Period. And I don't hide that. I was raised in Springfield, Ohio, a single mother. Uh she, she struggled, but never let us know that mm. she struggled. She loved us. There were four of us, and uh, we grew up in, you know, with not a lot of material things, but more mm. love than you could imagine. And so mm. I, I always tell people I'm a mama's boy, and that, that's really important at this point in time in my life. Uh, my mother has been in hospice for a year. Oh, goodness. Uh, we're making memories. I tease her and say, the Lord's just not ready for you yet. And we, spend, <laughs> uh, we spend time together a couple times a week. It's a 150-mile drive to Xenia, but mm-hmm. you know what? It is what it is, and we shoot videos. And what my mother poured into me mm-hmm. and what the Lord has blessed me with uh, really defines who I am as a person. And, and that's mm-hmm. important, and I, I will always mm-hmm. love and acknowledge my mama. 
I don't say mother. I say mom. <laughs> she's my mama. I said once in an interview, I said, you know, I'm a mama's boy and I also love the Lord. And my mother jumped all over me. She corrected me. She said, boy. You love the Lord ever, first. Don't you ever put the Lord <laughs> after me. And I said, okay, mom, I got it. And I haven't made that mistake. Notice today I got that in the right order. So, so mom, if you're listening, I hope I, uh, I hope I made you proud. You certainly make me proud. What a beautiful thing to say. Thank you. My parents are aging and live in D.C., so I make that trip once a month. Mm-hmm. And there's no replacing time with family. Mm-hmm. I agree. In fact, if you looked at my Facebook page, you'd think I still lived at home uh, <laughs> because it's almost all pictures of parents. You do in your heart. Mm-hmm. So. so that raises an interesting question about how did you get here? And I ask this of a lot of people. One that stands out as just an exceptional young person is a, a young woman who at 29 changed this, won a Supreme Court case in Tanzania, raising the marriage age from 14 to 18. And so that's pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Now you sit on the Federal Reserve Board. You, you're doing things, and again, gifted. And so my question, and what I want people to hear is, many people who are so successful got there through their own work and through the, through the grace of God. It's not because your parents handed you millions of dollars and you mm-hmm. just showed up to the things they built. So can you say a little more about how did you get here? I had a lot of mentors. And okay. when you said some people think or feel that they got there on their own, I never think that, not even for a <laughs> nanosecond. I've had a lot of friends and family uh, that have coached me along and still do. You mm-hmm. know? And I, I, I'll give you an example or two. Of all the people that I've been blessed to know, there's only one in Central Ohio that I call Mr. or Mrs. Hmm. And I call Mr. Lewis Smoot, Mr. Smoot. Ah. I call his son, hi there. I call his <laughs> father, Mr. Smoot, and I've known Mr. Smoot for probably 30 years. He is hmm. a wise and busy man. But I've called him over the years and said, Mr. Smoot, I have a question. You know, what about mm-hmm. this? What about that? And he's always, for some reason, cared about me and said, let's talk about it. He's mm-hmm. always been there for me as a, as a family member. You know, Hmm. things like, you mentioned the Federal Reserve. Mr. Smoot served on the Federal Reserve Board. So when I got the call, guess who I called? Mr. Smoot, what's this going to be like? (laughs) Uh, When I was asked to consider joining the board at State Auto Mutual Insurance Company, which is a phenomenal Mm -hmm. company, my first large corporate board, who did I call? Mr. Smoot. Why is that? He had served on the board at the Huntington. And just his wisdom, his humility, and his values, and his kindness to reach back and give me Mm -hmm. a hand, was very impactful. You know, another buddy of mine who's fantastic is a fellow named Jim Hackbarth. Jim and I grew up at IBM together mm-hmm. many, many years ago. He has always been there coaching, mentoring, caring for me. And the good thing about great friends like Mr. Smoot and Jim is they tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, don't, I won't uh, stretch it and say intervention, but, you know, <laughs> but, but when I'm not thinking clearly, mm-hmm. I get caught on it. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that. And I have many, many folks that have done things like that for me over the years. And, and I've learned to say please and thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's one of the reasons why people continue to be open and willing. Plus, it's very, very important at this point in my life that I give back mm-hmm. and do for others what so many people have so graciously done for me. And I would say the same is true for me. I can think of my 
one of my first mentors, a woman named Dorn. So a gender non-specific mm, name. Sure. <laughs> Dorn Hawkshurst. And boy, I just, I learned so much. And no matter what it was, when I had a question, she was available. Mm-hmm. She made time, which took time away from her personal life. It probably cut the amount of sleep she got down. So it wasn't like these are people who weren't busy. And I, I don't even think I could list all of them. My first book, my publisher who just passed away about a week ago. Yeah, each of them in their own way have allowed me to shine and be successful. Well, and I think in the Columbus community, Columbus is a giving community mm-hmm. with great leadership. And I was thinking about this uh, prior to our sitting down together. You know, I, I thought about great leaders that I've been around. And mm-hmm. you mentioned some of the organizations I'm mm-hmm. involved with. So Nationwide Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Steve Allen is a phenomenal leader. The Columbus Foundation. Doug Kreiler, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Elaine Roberts, we're going to miss her when she leaves the oh, airport. Oh, I love Elaine. Tom Walker at Rev1. So mm-hmm. I am blessed to sit in the room in some of these board conversations with really brilliant people mm-hmm. that are focused, that are caring, that are great leaders. So you become a better leader when you get to see and can emulate people that you really aspire you respect and aspire to be like and those are just probably four or four hundred that cross my mind Mm -hmm. if you are looking to see what good leadership looks like here in columbus ohio you don't have to look too far and that's that's great and i assume that that is true in other communities as well i believe that is probably true i've traveled a bit Mm -hmm. but i'm also very biased (laughs) (laughs) so i don't hide my bias I grew up in the D.C. area, and I have had great mentors. Sure. My publisher, Russ Volkman, was in Tucson. I never met him in person, mm-hmm. but he's been a mentor for years. And it's just interesting how we also come into contact with people, and you can tell so quickly their character. It's a feeling more than a observation in some cases. And then when you think about the leaders of tomorrow and you tie back the values, you know, mm-hmm. there was a time many years ago when people gauged their worth mm-hmm. by where'd you go to school? I Where do you work, do. right? <laughs> yeah, but so. to a lesser degree. So it always used to be frustrating when people would say, you know, I went to Stanford and, you know, that's a great organization. Mm-hmm. I went to Stanford and I'm now working in investment banking on Wall Street and I got a six-figure signing bonus. Well, yeah, I guess that's kind of all well and good, you know, from a material standpoint, which I'm mm-hmm. not materialistic. But the young people I talk to today, those that I think are our future, they care less about material things and more about purpose. That is exciting. We did an interview that just aired today, so we record this ahead. Mm-hmm. It aired just uh, last week, and it was on Millennials and Vision. Mm-hmm. And so research, basically we talked about the research reports and tying vision and values to the importance, tying vision and values to leadership for millennials. They really care much more about this than many people their senior And I find that to be encouraging. You know, some people in my generation want to hold on for that Mm -hmm. last ride. I want to hold on to that power. I want to hold on to that influence. I don't feel that way. I think it's time for the teacher to become the student. And when I am fortunate to be around young people, I can guarantee you every sit down, every discussion we have, I take away more than I give. And it's not that it's intentional, but Mm -hmm. the folks today, they are smart. They care. They have a global view, 
and they want to change the world. And probably the quickest way to my heart is start <laughs> talking about how you plan to use your God-given talents to uplift and inspire others. You know, and, and it's interesting because you and I talk to a lot of people, and when they come at you with that approach and thought process, and you can always mm-hmm. tell when it's sincere and when it's not, uh, mm-hmm. that's 180 degrees away from, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you who I am. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what I've got and what I want. And, you know, and those conversations, at least with me, generally don't warrant a second meeting. And they're shorter. They are. <laughs> and that's okay. That's not being judgmental. Mm-hmm. I just want to support those that want to support others. We're all in this together. You know, it's especially prevalent right now with natural disasters happening. Mm-hmm. And they're happening around the world. We see or see more on our news in the U.S. about the U.S. ones. But there were a couple of significant events in China, South China last week. And how do we pull together to support the precious beings whose livelihoods have been destroyed by these events, who will never get back the family pictures. In some cases, their pets will perish. You know, how do we support young folks entering their careers? These are the qualities of effective leaders well beyond, of course, I pay attention to the financials. Of course, I look at the analytics. I have to do my job well. But the character is the piece that we often, we stop at I do my job well and forget that character is a big part of the equation. But that's like when you said you stop at I do my job well. That's like saying in regards to decisions and values, sometimes people stop at asking the question, is it legal? Yeah. What a low bar. Are you <laughs> kidding me, right? If it's legal, therefore we can do that. No, we really can't, right? You know, is it legal? And how about that next question? Is it the right thing to do? And again, when we look at the seven leadership competencies, we look at doing right ahead of being right. So I'm doing the right thing way more important than I win the argument. Yeah, I agree. Well, sometimes, you know, when, when you do that, win, lose, I win, you lose, etc. You can win by losing. I've always said that if you're in a discussion and things don't go your way, if you take something away, even though you've lost the argument or lost that particular opportunity, but you've learned, then truly you've won. On the other side of the coin, if you win, if you will, a particular situation, but you didn't learn anything, then I wonder if you really won. To build on that, there are also times I walk away and in reflection, I realize I, I messed up. One of the phrases I love is, I restore the balance. I'm able to say, I'm kind of embarrassed about that interaction. I wasn't at my best. Mm -hmm. So on that note, on winning and losing and being our best, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Dwight and Maureen, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders, Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, and I'm with Dwight Smith. And during break, we were talking about leaders who demonstrate humility, who have proven what they need to prove, and now they are servant leaders. And for some people, that's folks who have reached the pinnacle of their career, but there are other leaders who are younger and have developed that level of servant mentality earlier. So tell me a little bit about what servant leadership means for you, and maybe give us a couple examples so servant leadership, I, I think it's probably as simple as the term indicates, it's mm-hmm. serving others, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it says that if I inspire, if I uplift, if I support you, you'll be a better person, the world will be a better place. Mm-hmm. And that old saying, which is a little weird, the rising tide lifts all ships. Mm-hmm. I'd fall back to an earlier phrase, I think it was Coach Woody Hayes, guilty two-time Buckeye, uh, who said, pay it forward. Mm-hmm. And so servant leadership is really based on paying it forward. When people do great things for you and help you along, you probably can't pay them back. And I think servant leaders, when they do things, they don't expect to be paid back. Mm -hmm. What I would expect is that you would pay forward, given the opportunity to do so. Mm -hmm. That would be my only expectation and hope, right, that when you're in a situation to help someone else, that you do what was done for you. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be fun? And it's not very hard. When you and I had the conversation earlier, I was just trying to run through the list of people in my mind and 
like it would almost be like reading the begets in the Bible. It'd get a little boring. <laughs> but I'm here on the shoulders of a lot of people mm-hmm. who have trusted me and put me forward before I earned it. And I think the smartest, brightest, most successful people are those that don't have to let the world know mm-hmm. that they are. You know, you mentioned the Fed Reserve, and I think mm-hmm. I can say this publicly. I, I really appreciate, and I'm humbled by being a member of mm-hmm. the board. But what I could tell you is I've never been around a group of people that are so smart, scary smart, mm-hmm. and so humble. You know, so when we're talking about the economy and 2% uh, inflation and 5% unemployment and how do you balance fiscal policy and monetary policy and all that and data coming in from all these Mm -hmm. economists, when you're in that room and the discussion is very rich and robust, no one ever feels like or exhibits behavior that says, I'm the smartest person in the room. They listen intensely, they respect one another, and it is Every time I leave a meeting, every time I leave a conversation, mm-hmm. I think, wow, how honored I am to be a part of such a rich and important conversation with people mm-hmm. that get it, but don't have to say, I got it. You just know. Mm-hmm. And that's great leadership. And I bet if you and I talked about the greatest leaders, it's never those that pound their chest. And you know, and sometimes leaders are very visible, but mm-hmm. also my heroes aren't necessarily titans and CEOs of corporate mm-hmm. America, they are folks like teachers that are in the mm-hmm. classroom, law enforcement, firefighters. Those are the folks that don't get the recognition. Yeah. But I'll tell you, one day without them would be tragic. So mm-hmm. I think we ought to uplift and acknowledge people that don't get the visibility, but yet they are doing spectacular things, pouring into the lives of others, into our children. You know, I think mm-hmm. I am, I'm a big fan. I guess I can mention this. I'm a big fan of Highlights for Children. Yes. You know, I, I, I was the IBM sales rep for Highlights for Children in 1979, so I just dated myself. Mm-hmm. Love that company then, love that company now. And I think that, hi- and they're local, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that Highlights for Children and Walt Disney have impacted, those two organizations have impacted more children than any other two organizations on the face of the earth. I remember as a kid sitting in a doctor's waiting room, and that was never fun. But the highlights for children books were there, or the magazines. We had them at home. Well, and so their slogan, I think, I don't want to misquote, is fun with a purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that, right? Mm -hmm. And shouldn't we all think like children sometimes? I mean, Mm -hmm. we grow up, we become adults, we think about the pressures of life and all those, and we lose our ability to be childlike, and I don't mean childish, Mm -hmm. I mean childlike, to take life a little less serious, have Mm -hmm. fun, chuckle, do something Mm -hmm. that's goofy, and learn to laugh at yourself. That helps you stay centered and to keep yourself in the proper perspective. You you mentioned humility, and it's interesting to me, as I listen to grad students and clients, that... For some people, people like you, humility just is, it's not like I'm getting humble. You just are. And yet there are other people who would say, we don't do humility here because only wimpy people do that. Mm. So can you speak to that? Because I believe that's a patently untrue statement. But for some people, they haven't learned humility doesn't equal wimpy or weak. There's a deep strength in folks at the Federal Reserve Board, but they don't have to pound the table. 
Well, I agree. And I think when you have to pound the table, it's probably a sign of insecurity, mm-hmm. right? And I've talked to young people that have on their careers are doing very, very well. And people will say, well, do you think they'll be wildly successful? And I'll say, not till they fail, right? Okay, a so little, this is a, the, for a, every a, listener out there who hasn't yet had a major failure and isn't looking forward to one. Oh, so I, you know, I've been blessed to, to lead a company for 27 mm-hmm. years. I could tell you that I've learned a lot more from our failures mm-hmm. than I have our successes. You know, I know what it feels like for a company to grow really quickly and be in Inc. Magazine and all those things, mm-hmm. but I also know what it feels like to almost lose it all, you know, where uh, it can get away from you. And so every time you get up, you say thank you for allowing me another opportunity. You appreciate it. And if you didn't learn from that experience, shame on you. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So what was the biggest failure and what was your biggest learning? And how did you get through it? Uh, From a business standpoint? Yeah. Oh, that's easy. Uh, And I used to not share this, but I've Mm -hmm. shared it publicly. And so we started the company in 1990. And it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Whenever it's good, I'll say we. Whenever it's bad, I'll say I. That's how people Mm. can tell if it's a good thing or a bad (laughs) thing in the company. But we were growing. I remember our revenues were $80,000 the first year. The next year, they were Mm $381,000, 1000000 put us in Inc. Magazine and all those things. And I started believing that because we were successful yesterday, we would be successful Mm. tomorrow. And also, I started to believe. I started to read too much of my own press. Right, mm-hmm. boy, we're good. Everyone's patting you on the back and saying, "Boy, don't look back." But you know, the funny thing about business is revenues can go up thirty percent and expenses can go up forty percent. And I got to tell you, that is not sustainable. So I remember maybe eight to ten years into the business, mm-hmm. and we had audited financials. And I'm not ashamed to say this: that all of a sudden, our revenue grew and our expenses. We were just thinking, "There's no looking back. Just spend the money, spend the money, mm-hmm. spend the money," and that. That year, our audited financials, we lost over seven hundred thousand dollars. Wow! So I know what it feels like to mm-hmm. lose that kind of money, to have a three million dollar line of credit, draw against it against two point one million, blow all the covenants at your bank, and wake up at night in a cold sweat. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. Don't want to do that again. I will tell you also that at that time I prayed, and I remember mm-hmm. the prayer was a long time ago. I said, Lord, I've messed this up. I made it all about me. I'm going to hand it back to you. It's a mess. If you (laughs) fix it, uh, I'll never take it back. So the next year, we closed the business out of the financials at a $300,000 profit. So that was a million-dollar swing in a year. The next year, with that $2.1 million line of credit, we paid it to zero. And we didn't borrow for seven years. I was blessed, got the Entrepreneur of the Year Award and all that stuff. Make no mistake about it, I didn't do that. I did not do that. That was a blessing from the Lord, and that was an incredible, incredible team of people mm-hmm. that pitched in, jumped in, all in, and that's been over 15 years ago, and some of those folks are still coming to the office every day, mm-hmm. and I appreciate them. So it's, uh, I learned a lot through that. Thank you for sharing that, because again, I, I'm assuming we have a lot of listeners who haven't yet hit that big loss or big failure or haven't lost a job and when you go through that it's like putting a a piece of wood through a planing machine right it just removes a whole bunch of ego yes you can often see the ones who went through it and then took stock 
because they they feel different to work with. Mm-hmm. There's a level of judgment falls away in many cases because not that I'm not discerning, but how can I judge you when I know my own flaws mm-hmm. and when I've messed it up? And you know, the it is. You know, it's interesting. There, there's another good point in that story. So when we're going through that. I never shared the financials. Our CFO knew, and I mm-hmm. knew. That was it. Okay. And I remember we'd sit in the evenings. we said, say, oh, it's going to be another bad month. We're going to have to hit the line of credit. And I didn't tell the team in total for a mm-hmm. year or so. Mm-hmm. So after the company turned around, and I didn't have notes, I remember talking out all hands-on meeting. And I said, two years ago, we almost lost it all. And I looked in the audience, and people were horrified. And I said... Um, and I said, we lost a lot of money. Someone said, how much money? I said, an awful lot of money. And I said, how many of you would have wanted to know when we were struggling that we were struggling? Every single hand in the room went up. Every mm-hmm. hand. They were all in. And I didn't know what to say, but I remember now what I said then. I said, I didn't tell you for two reasons. I said, number one, I grew up at IBM. We shared information on a need-to-know mm-hmm. basis. I didn't think you needed to know. Shame on me guilty Mm -hmm. I said second of all I believe that we're a family feeling company Mm -hmm. I'm the parent you're the child parents protect their children again shame on me I said if we ever go Mm -hmm. through that again I'll be much more open hope we don't and much more (laughs) transparent but it was amazing and and I said that day I said everyone who earned a raise that year even though we were borrowing got a raise Mm -hmm. and I said and I took a salary cut because that's what leaders do Think about this. A gentleman came up to me afterwards, put his arm around me, hugged me, and he said, hey, boss, if we ever go through that again, call me. I'll take a salary cut, too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, He's special. He just celebrated, I think, 18 or 19 years with the company. May he retire someday (laughs) from our company. And enjoy the rest of his days. Maybe he and I should do that at the same time. (laughs) It's been a good ride. You know, thank you for saying that because transparency is often a conversation And the question of how much do we share? But in the right culture, and I recognize this is not all cultures, it does create buy-in and co-ownership. Even if we don't co-own legally the company, we certainly co-own the results. Mm -hmm. We co-invest in the work we're doing. But that's different than either one of us grew up with. I grew up in a military family where my dad was in intelligence. Everything was need to know. Mm -hmm. And then I had a top secret security clearance. You didn't talk about stuff. But you know what I like about young people and young leaders Mm -hmm. is in generations before them, people had the mentality, I'll get mine. And once I get mine, I'll reach back. I'll help others. Later. Yeah, later. And young people today say, how about this? How about I help you why I'm getting mine? And, and how they define mm-hmm. getting mine is very different than it was defined a generation ago. Mm-hmm. And so I just love it. And it happens more often than not when you talk to young people and you say, if you had a clean slate, and you do, draw me a picture of what life looks like. And they are so willing and eager to think externally mm-hmm. as opposed to, let me tell you, I want to retire at 50. I want to have a fancy car. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. Some of the wealthiest people that I've met, I don't know if this is exactly true, that I've met over the years that have the most material stuff have the least amount of happiness. Mm -hmm. And even in business, when I'll talk to an entrepreneur, sometimes I'll say, how you doing? 
And the business owner will say, business is good. And I say, wait a minute. I didn't ask you how business is, right? I genuinely want to know how you're doing. We can talk about business later. And I always believe that the business is what I do, but it's not the person that I am. Hmm. It's an awful lot of what I do. Yeah, but I've been able to kind of separate the two, Mm -hmm. right? I love the business, and the business has been good, and we get to create jobs, and we get to Mm -hmm. bring value to our clients in the marketplace, and all that stuff is extremely important and fulfilling. You know, it's energizing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when I think about changing the world and helping children, building a classroom in Tanzania, you know, Mm -hmm. those kind of things, Nationwide Children's Hospital, you mentioned that in the introduction. There are kids that are alive in Columbus, Ohio, that if there were no Nationwide Children's Hospital, they would not be alive. Mm-hmm. I am honored by the work that they do, not just in Central Ohio, but all around the country and all around the world. They are saving lives, and I hold them up as a role model to other organizations. Think about the Columbus Foundation. What a super collaborator, right? They can mm-hmm. energize and bring together a community to solve big problems. They didn't do it alone, but we all acknowledge the up the lift that happened in Wyland Park, right? So for our listeners who aren't from Ohio, yeah. what does that mean, the lift in Wyland Park? So Wyland Park, and I'm going to kind of misstate this, uh, Wyland Park is a neighborhood just south and east of the Ohio State University. Mm-hmm. And it's like many neighborhoods have had challenges around crime and, and just mm-hmm. other issues. And the Columbus Foundation with a lot of of corporate partners stepped in and said, I'm going to embellish this. Can we put our arms around this neighborhood? Can Mm -hmm. we deal with some of the issues around poverty and education and housing? You know, where a lot of organizations, a lot of communities would just say it's just too difficult. But a Mm -hmm. lot of funders and a lot of smart people showed up for a very long walk, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a journey and it's not over but they transformed as a community that neighborhood. And then of course the question is, can we do it again and again and again? No great success is done by an individual or an Mm -hmm. organization, but to have an organization like the Columbus Foundation that is so good at collaborating. I was gonna say it's a cross-sector engagement. It is, you know, and, and it's really done well. I can't imagine Columbus without the Columbus Foundation. Same is true for Nationwide Children's and Ohio State and a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you. So on that note of uplifting and inspiration, we're going to go on break. Mm-hmm. And we will be back momentarily with Dwight Smith and Maureen Metcalf. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. 
We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is the final segment with Dwight Smith and Maureen Metcalf talking about leadership, values, servant leadership. And so, Dwight, what is most interesting to you right now and what's of most concern? Well, can I start with what's of most concern? Because I want to end on a high note, okay. if I can. So, so what concerns is I love America. I mean, I bleed red, white, and blue. I think we live in mm-hmm. the greatest country on earth. But I am concerned, and I'm not a politician, important that I say that. And, th- and we have global uh, listeners, so I yes. want to be careful that we're not Well, offending. thank you. Thank you very much. I, I think that there is some division in our nation that we need to all work on healing. I think that diversity is a strength, and I believe that's important in regards to inclusion of race, gender, ethnicity, and viewpoint, and a lot of <laughs> other things. And I think today the lack of diversity or the lack of consideration and respect for people that are different than ourselves is hurting us. And so uh, the last election, and that's not a pro or con, tore us apart. There was so much negativity, you know, and and I think now that we're broken, we need to be healed. And so Mm -hmm. my greatest concern is, can we come back together? as a people love honor and respect our differences we don't have to be the same but go full circle back the values mm-hmm. we do have to respect our differences and if you believe and i do that one plus one equals three when you're different together we are better if you believe that we can move forward but there is just too much hatred and divisiveness out there and we've got to be intentional Mm-hmm. about bringing us back together. We cannot continue to go forward as a nation torn apart. We've seen that before. I think they called it the Civil War. 
and we've seen it in countries with our brothers and sisters around the world, I think we're better than that. And I think that is something that is a concern, and we can't mm-hmm. wait till tomorrow to start working on it. We need to start working on it today. Mm-hmm. And everybody, no exception, everybody's got a part in that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me not to weigh in on that. The stuff that happened in Charlottesville was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I went to college 45 minutes from there. I did a keynote speech less than a week after. And people f- are some hurt, some angry, some just confused. You know, they never thought this would happen in their hometown. That just how do we make sense of the fact that we have very different points of view and listen to the people who are different with respect, even if we, and, and there are people whose views I find totally offensive. And yet we have a constitution that says we have free speech. And I, I am, was encouraged. The rally in Boston, 40,000 people, if I got that right, showed up to send messages of peace and love. Yes. The system works. Not 100% at all, but a lot of good people are standing up and saying this hatred isn't okay. And I believe that the glass is half full, not half empty. But if you flip that coin and you ask me about the concerns, but also what's the good? Mm -hmm. And the good is the energy, the young people... They want a brighter day. They want opportunities. They want hope. And I think in the absence of hope, there's hopelessness. But the young people that I talk to, they're inspired. Frankly, I think they operate above the fray of some of the noise that we talked about as a concern. Mm -hmm. I think they're beyond that. You know, the question becomes, can we go back and listen and learn? Can we draw from their energy? Can we draw from their innovation, their creativity, their willingness to be inclusive, right? Mm -hmm. I don't talk to many 20 or 25 or 30-year-old folks that have racist or divisive views. They Mm -hmm. want to huddle together. They don't see black and white and gay and straight and all those other stereotypes and judgments and Mm -hmm. labels, which I am not a fan of labels at all. They just see people as people, right? Mm -hmm. And they really do believe that our future is brighter. And as long as we've got that generation coming up that -hmm. believes in a brighter America, they will carry us forward. And it'll be a fun transition when we go from leading to following, Some leaders fear that. I'm very excited about it. It's their time now. Mm -hmm. It's their time now. So now let's go to my special word, because as you say, it's their time now. You have a program that is designed to help young folks evolve into value-based leaders. Yes, Yes, I do. You're smiling. I'm smiling near to ear. So a couple years ago, well, I'm going to go back to my faith. I have a special word. And Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, the Lord laid a special word on my heart. Every day I ask myself, am I living out my special word? My special Mm -hmm. word is sold, S-O-L-D. See, and the theory is we're all sold out to something. And when you're sold out, you are absolutely committed. You're all in. I don't hide it. I'm sold out to Christ. The S stands for silence. 
because the Bible talks about the power of words to lift up, but also to destroy. And I always tell people, be careful with the words that you use. We've all written an email, right? Saved it as a draft, called it up the next day and said, I'm so glad I didn't lay those words out there. So the S is for silence. The O is obedience. People say, but if you're obedient, you're weak. You're submissive. No, if I'm obedient, it's because I trust you. And I believe you have my best interest at heart. The L is leverage. To whom much is given, much is required. The D is discipline to do the right thing the right way every day. So every night for the last decade plus, I go to bed and I ask myself, did I live out my word today? Am I becoming the person that I aspire to be? Period there. Now, I love kids. So it wasn't just a matter of time when I said, I'm going to start asking young children, what's your special word? How would you describe and define yourself? And I asked young children four things. Okay, what is your special word? Why did you pick it? How are you living it out? And what can I do to help you in your journey? What can we do to help you in your journey? And if a young person says, my special word is smart, then they have to do their homework because it's accountability. They created it. They own it. If they say, my special word is smart and I'm studying really hard, but I'm struggling in school, we adults owe them the support to help them become the people they aspire to be. Mm-hmm. Remember those uh, what would Jesus do wristbands? Mm-hmm. So we started giving out wristbands to children and said, what's your special word? And it worked. So when what would Jesus do? I tease people about it. I said, yeah, I used to wear one of those wristbands. This is not a true story. I'd go into a store. I'd steal a candy bar. I'd get to the door. I'd look and I'd go, man, I got on a what would Jesus do wristband. Now I got to take the candy bar back. But if you think about a wristband and a story, think about what would Jesus do? Think about Lance Armstrong and Live Strong. Love him or hate him, Lance and that created a movement and raised the visibility about fighting cancer and destroying cancer. So why don't we, with a wristband and a story and a vision and a passion, change the word world for children? So we started giving out these wristbands and saying, what's your special word? Big brothers, big sister said, this is pretty cool. We're going to need some of those wristbands. And then the Boys and Girls Club, then Junior Achievement, then the KIPP school. Uh, by the end of this year, we'll have something north of 15 partners and 10,000 children wearing wristbands in Columbus, Toledo, Cincinnati, and Honesdale, Pennsylvania. Now, what if we start a national conversation with kids in New Orleans and Chicago? A global conversation. We've got listeners. Ooh, yeah. Last week, we had listeners in 34 countries. And We've got so. Listeners now in 66 altogether. Oh, we're just getting started here in the U.S. <laughs> so, uh, and it's great to have friends. So, someone said, You got to tell the My Special Word story. So, I drafted it up. I sent it over to a friend at Highlights for Children. I, you know, I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I love Highlights. They said, That's not a story. <laughs> so, they didn't really say that. But they sent it to Allison Myers, who's in the Myers family, who's a tremendous writer of children's stories and she wrote two books one's called my special word and one's called what's your word and uh, we just had a book launch last week we expected 50 people we had uh, somewhere north of 70 and they said if you sell 50 books that night to help children we'll call it a success we sold 158 books and so now we do want to start a global conversation someone's already said i mentioned the book to say someone has said can you do the book in spanish Right. So what if we have children, not just around the U.S., but how about South Africa and Barcelona and Venezuela saying, let me tell you, it's a simple concept and impactful. Let me tell you who I am, who I aspire to be. 
who I aspire to be, back to values. Yes, absolutely. What do I stand for? Because when you ask a child about their special word, you're really inviting a conversation around values, right? And to have a kid say, I'm smart, I'm happy, I'm joyful, and all the children who I've talked with, not a one of them have described themselves in a negative way. They draw mm-hmm. pictures with themselves and a smiling face saying, my special word is family because I love my family. How cool is that? So let's do this. You corrected me and I'm glad. Let's not do this only in the U.S. because children are children all around the world and how a child describes themselves, regardless of where you live, Mm -hmm. is important. And we should support them and we should uplift them and we should say to them, if you believe this is who you are, let us encourage and inspire and support you. So let's see where we go with my special word. So Dwight, how would people in New Orleans, in San Diego, in Mumbai, how would they reach your organization? So there's a website called www.myspecialword.com. And if you click on the resources tab, and there's a video, two minutes long, that is called Students. And in two minutes, it tells you the story and I think a fairly articulate way. And people are submitting grants, and we're funding them. We're funding the wristbands, and now there are bookmarks and all those other things. And that's how. Just reach us through www.myspecialword.com. We have a magnificent program consultant named Courtney Kerrigan, and, and she's really helping spread the word. You know, it's, it's exciting, and you just gave me a, a hint. We have a map of the U.S., and we just started putting pins in the map where the program is implemented. Maybe we need to get a globe of the world, mm-hmm. right? Because to your good point, we won't stop in the U.S., right? We want to carry this to every child everywhere. And uh, the other person that is helping me, and I, I want to say this, is, uh, is my wife, Renee. So she is uh, beautiful and witty and supportive, and I would not be the person I am or where I am without her support, and I want to acknowledge that. Thank you. Thank you. So to our listeners, one last time, www.myspecialword.com. We would love to hear from you. This is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. At the beginning of the conversation, I asked everyone to think of a behavior that you're going to hear from Dwight or myself that you can put into practice. And I've heard several, humility, integrity, values, servant, Small egos, (laughs) (laughs) right? That inspiration. And Dwight is a person who lives this, trusts, in your case, Christ, for others of other faiths. Mm -hmm. Because again, the diversity conversation, this isn't about a single faith, but we appreciate that our faiths keep us strong around the world. How do we live and model the faith that keeps us strong? So on that note, thank you to all of our listeners. We look forward to you joining us again next week. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. Drive and thrive and have a great week.